0: Uh, If you would please turn in your Bibles to Psalm uh, 46. Uh, If you have, uh, there's a Bible where you're sitting It's page 302 if you'd like to follow along in that uh, Bible next to you. Uh, We've been going through the Gospel of Mark as a community, um, but I just want to take a Sunday to look through this psalm. This is one of the psalms that I've spent a lot of time just reading over and over and over. And that just continually sticks in my mind. So, um, this is a a psalm of uh, God's comfort, of God's care, but also what God calls us to within those things that we all deal with in our life. Um, You know, with illness in our home, it's really no different than illness in your home. Uh, Brokenness in your heart is no different than brokenness in my heart. Uh, We all walk together. I don't have some special knowledge of things Uh, I walk with you and you walk with me Uh, so please listen as I read this psalm Uh, Psalm 46 says God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, a holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah, come, behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. I'm probably just like you where you read a psalm and you think, well, that's a really good psalm, but they have no idea what's going on in my life. Uh, We have a hard time thinking that other people have an understanding of things that we walk through. Um, The Psalms are full of people going through the depths of despair. It's also full of Psalms written about the heights of glory and understanding God's grace and mercy. Uh, You really can't read a Psalm without some emotion in you kindled. Whether it be sadness or despair or hurt, brokenness, or anger, and frustration, excitement, and worship. In this psalm, it begins with this fact God is our refuge and strength. Uh, the interesting point here is it says God is our refuge. And strength. Uh, it does not say God is your individual refuge and strength separated from God's community. Uh, he is our refuge and strength. Uh, we all like community. you know uh, many of you um, you know years all the TV shows that focus on community that uh, if you don't know what they are your parents know what they are like friends we're old now because that show's gone and cheers where it's this place that you're known and people understand you and there's lighthearted joking and there's fun Um, but if you read in scripture and also if you really understand your own need you will know that that community can't do anything for you that sense of community maybe this is some of the community you have that there's just joking and lighthearted things and nothing ever scratches the surface of what is really true and valuable in your life. This psalm is a community psalm. This is a psalm about a community in the seeking who is seeking refuge, not a community that is the refuge. Uh, there's a big difference. Especially as a church, many times we think the church is my refuge. And then what happens, though, is we forget about the real purpose of the church, which is to point us to Christ. And we do that on many levels with our life. We think, well, my home is my refuge. My job is my refuge. My family is my refuge. Well, it might be a small-r refuge, a place that you go for some kind of care and love and fulfillment. But beyond that, those things have nothing to offer you. The true A true gospel-centered community will admit, we cannot fill your needs. We cannot. I cannot fill your needs. I cannot give you significance. I cannot give you meaning in life. But what I can do is I can point you to the one who will give you meaning in life. I will point you to the one who is the refuge. Because everything that we taste and feel and touch in this world will not last we read that and nod but we hate that we hate that but that is the truth of this life so if we're whatever we're seeking for refuge if it is not something beyond us and eternal it will fail you so in the midst of fearful things how is God a refuge This psalm is written to bring comfort in chaos, when order is thwarted, when our plans are turned upside down, when the assumptions of our lives are shaken, and we just seem to exist in chaos, God is our refuge. Now, the other thing to remember is this psalm is not a psalm of have more faith in God so he will be your refuge. This is a psalm of fact. God is our refuge. So if you don't see God as your refuge, it's not that you don't have enough faith. It's maybe you're looking in the wrong place for him to be your refuge. You have an idea that if God fills this need in me, then he will be my refuge. That he's proven to me that he is eternal. But the truth is, he is our refuge. And he will make that known to you in many different ways. Probably not the way you would like. Just the illness in our family. I would rather not learn this way that God is my refuge. I'd rather read a book about it. I'd rather write a book about it. Be highly acclaimed for some amazing things I could say. But the truth is, this is how I know He is my refuge. So the psalmist here, he states fact, not what our faith is trying to accomplish, not that we're trying to make God something he is not. It's a psalm of this is God. He is our refuge. So if we want to understand then who this God is, we need to begin with him. But our our tendency is to begin with us. And say, okay, here's my need. If God is really a refuge, then he will fulfill this. He will provide for this thing. He will heal this. He will give me a better job. He will restore my marriage. He will, whatever it is that is overwhelming you at this moment. But our confusion about God is usually that we begin in the wrong place. We begin with who we are, and then we want to walk back to who God is. And define who he is. Uh, but the Bible defines who God is, and then he explains who we are. God is the creator, we are his creation, made in his image. We understand God by faith and how he describes himself. And our faith is a faith, faith that there is a God who made all things, who is abundant in power and glory. Who knows life and death? Who knows joy and suffering? Who knows you? Who knows the heartbreak that you feel, the fear, the loneliness that you hide from as you try to create your own refuge? Uh, the refuge that we create, uh, it, it can either be intrinsically evil. Uh, just we know that this is Sin. And we are pursuing this because we get some kind of pleasure in that. And you probably know what that is for you in your life. That when you feel in despair, what is the sin that you run to for fulfillment? And we can also create things that we would say, these are really good. It might be your job or spending time with your family or work within the church, that these are good refuges. We're still not good Because you're forsaking the true refuge of God. I tell you, because of life experience, it is much easier to create those refuges and to rest in those. It's much easier for me to look at you and say, you are my refuge. You are the one who's going to give me significance and meaning. But that's not what we're called to do. It's much harder to look to God who is eternal and rest in Him as a refuge. So the church is not our refuge, but the church is to point us to the true refuge, to who God really is. So God is our refuge, and then God is also our provider and sustainer. It's one thing to be a refuge and protector, but then it's a whole other thing also to. To be supplied and provided and cared for as you are being protected. Uh, You can be protected in a very dry, impersonal way. Bomb shelter. Build a bomb shelter. You will be protected from bombs. There is no comfort. There is no care in a bomb shelter. So as God is our refuge, he is also our provider and sustainer. He is our father. And he holds us, and he cares for us. Verse 4, it says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. This river with streams that make glad the city of God. Uh, It's interesting, if you look through the Bible Uh, you see that God uses water as a great symbolism of his cleansing and providing and nourishing of his people. He also uses it to, to point out areas that we try to hold our own water. We try to hold our own significance. In Jeremiah 2, it says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, And hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. In the pursuit of making our own cisterns, we forsake the one who provides the refreshment that we need. And that's all of our temptation. This is how we live. We get up every morning and we have to be reminded that God loves us. He is abundantly gracious and he cares for us and he sustains us and fulfills us. Because when we don't do that, we continually pursue things in our day that we want to fulfill us. Maybe some of you are wrestling just with the idea of, is there really a God? Um, And maybe some of you here this morning have said, I've tried to serve God, but God was not fulfilling. So I will forsake him. And just say he does not exist. Um, Many times that comes about because we have our own idea of what God should be to us. And it really is I want to serve myself and I want God to honor that. And really as I look back on my life, I feel like that has been a great temptation and it is still a great temptation that I, sometimes I don't want to serve God, I want to serve myself, and I just want God to put a stamp on it so I can use Christian lingo and say, you know what, this is a really good thing I should do because I really want it and I can see somehow that God's going to commission me to go do this. Instead of saying that if God really gave himself for you, serving God means not serving yourself, but resting that He is the gracious one. He knows what is right and wrong. He is the refuge. He is the protector. Uh, Tim Keller writes a great book, The Prodigal God, where he talks about the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And and In that parable, you have the father and you you have two sons, a younger son and an older son. And the younger son is just... This rebellious kid runs away, wants all his inheritance. He is visibly rebellious. And we can all read that and just feel sorry for the father that he had a son that was so horrible. Uh, But then in the story, the son comes back and is repentant and broken. Uh, The whole time the older son who is there is sticking his nose up at the younger son. And Tim Keller says, the first sign you have an, old, an elder brother spirit is that when your life doesn't go as you want, you aren't just sorrowful, but you are deeply anger, angry, resentful, and bitter. I think in your life, when things aren't going the way you want, how do you respond? Really, I think we have two choices. We can either be broken or we can be resentful and this really shows a lot about the gospel that we believe Uh, when you have times that you are resentful because God doesn't come through the gospel you're believing is that if I do this God has to do this that is not the gospel that we read about in the Bible the gospel we reading about the Bible, when things are hurtful and disasters come, it leads us to brokenness. Because we not only do we see the brokenness of the world, we see our own heart. And the brokenness in our own heart. So God is the provider and sustainer. If he doesn't provide the way you exactly want, what does that lead you to? Bitterness or brokenness? Or lack of joy or gladness, as it says in verse four, in life, is usually caused by our exchange of grace for some kind of results-oriented life. Um, I've heard this from many people, and really I am tempted to walk this way in my life. I've heard many people say, you know, I've done all these things. I've been consistent in church. I let a Bible study. I wipe the snotty-nosed kids in the nursery. I did um, the custodial work. I did the worst jobs. And this is how God repays me. This is what he does. And You fill in the blank. With some people, it's my son was taken. My son is rebellious. He's not walking with the Lord. But I did all these things. So God has proven he is not faithful. Sadly, the gospel is so much more shocking than that. The shock of the gospel is you can't do anything good enough that would make God love you more. Nothing. Nothing. That's the part that's hard for me to believe. And that's the part that as I walk in my day, I continually think, you know what, God, I've done this thing and it was glorious and I did really well. And so in your mind, you think God's going to protect you from whatever it is, criticism, hurt, disease, whatever it is. God's going to provide you some refuge here on earth. But that's not God's promise. God's promise is more shocking than that because His promises, when you were sealed because of the work of Christ, you will never be separated from God's love and grace. Never. And you can't earn anything to make that seal any closer. It has been finished. And it's shocking. In this verse, it talks about the city of God. And verse 4, or excuse me, verse 5 says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. God is the great help of his people. It does not say that God honored this strong city and gave comfort because this city was strong. God said, I will help this city. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The armies of God and God our Father. We have strength and security And we have comfort and sympathy in one eternal being. And this God fulfills all his promises. So as we see that God is a refuge, he is a provider and sustainer, then what what are we called to do? Verse 8 all the way to the end is, then what are you called to do? is our fortress. Uh, Robert Murray Machane, who lived in the 1800s, wrote, If anything else will do to sever me from my sins, Lord, send me such sore and trying calamities as shall awake me from earthly slumbers. It must always be best to be alive to Thee, Whatever be the quickening instrument, I tremble as I write this. For, oh, on every hand do I see two likely occasions for sore afflictions. This is someone who, as he struggles in his life, he says, God, I want you to be my refuge. I want to seek you for my comfort, not the pleasures of my sin. And so he says, God, whatever it takes to help me see you as my refuge, then you do it. Whatever calamities it takes for me to leave this and rest in this, I'll do it. And I like that this man is real and he says, I tremble as I write. What we face every day in our life, understanding God's refuge, and He is the provider and He is the sustainer. And then what are we to do with that? What we face is that we forget the gospel story. And so what are you to do? You are to remember the gospel story. The exaltation of God above all things. The sealing of His promise of grace in Jesus The calling of undeserving people as his own, and his promise that is eternal. Let me read from Revelation chapter twenty-two. What you have in the story of the Bible is you have the you have the creation narrative in chapters one and two of Genesis, and in this creation narrative, you have God making all things. And Adam and Eve, the first people, and they are made in the garden. And then you have this whole story of redemption. People in the Old Testament looking to a coming Redeemer, who is Jesus. You have the New Testament, you have the four Gospels explaining who He is. Then in Acts, you have the beginning of uh, the, the church, the carryover from the Old Testament. And then you have the epistles, and they're all pointing to something greater. And at the end, in Revelation, you have a story from the garden to the city. This garden has a river, and the city has a river. God is building a fortress. God is building a community to rest in Him for eternity. Revelation 22, the first few verses say, then the angel showed me the river of the living water, uh, excuse me, the, showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb of God will be in it. And his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and the night will be no more, and they will need no lamp of light or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever from the psalm we really have moving from God as refuge to verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So how is God exalted in the nations? How is God exalted in the earth? It is when you, beloved of God, understand His mercy and grace and then you go out to the nations and the earth. We are people who are sent with a message of hope in the midst of our suffering. Uh, I tell you that uh, I love quiet. No, 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 I love quiet. I like when there's no sound and I can just sit. And really my temptation is that's my refuge. And I feel it so much more In the last few days, if I can just have more quiet, then everything will be okay. But it doesn't work. That's an idol that I've created, thinking that quiet is going to bring some kind of peace in my life. But it doesn't. Because we have four kids and quiet always ends. (laughs) But it's not even that, it's that quiet is not what my soul needs. What my soul needs is refreshment from the living water. My soul needs to be reminded of the promise of the gospel that I am sealed with eternal God. And that sealing, that union with Christ will never be broken through death. That is what I need. But I really just want it to be fixed. With quiet. So, as a community, as people who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is our mission. Our mission is to be still and know that I am God, that He will be exalted in the nations, and the only way He is exalted in the nations is that as you suffer, as you are broken, that you interact with people who have a different worldview. And you can explain to them the promises of God. Sometimes I feel like just with things going on in my life that I really can have a pass on a lot of the things in the Bible. That, God, I'm really suffering, so let me just get a pass and other people can do this. But that doesn't work either. It's not God's promise. What God's promise is, is that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to work out salvation uh, for his people. And I can rest in that salvation for my significance, for my purpose, for meaning in life. And it changes the way I worship and what I worship, changes my understanding of community, and it changes my mission. And as a church, that's what we all want to grow in. How does the gospel change what we worship? How does it define and drive our community? And how does it renew and direct our mission? And the mission is this, that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. And he suffered in a way that you and I could never suffer. And he did that because of his great love for you and The person next to you. Because sometimes that's harder for us to grasp. That God loves the person next to us. So this morning as we come to the table, let me read in Mark 14. It says, as they were eating, this is Jesus, he took bread and after he blessed it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. He took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So as we come to this table, this is not the complete fulfillment of this. There's more. Jesus is waiting to celebrate this with you. And we celebrate this because this is how God nourishes us spiritually. Jesus said, he said, I took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body. His body is given for you. He took the cup and said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for many. Uh, This table here is not for those who have built their city of refuge that they alone have complete control over, and all you want to do is, if you want God to bless what you have done, this table is not for you. This table is for those here who can say, I don't have it all together. In fact, I can be a little bit honest about I don't have it all together, but if someone really knew my heart, they would not sit next to me at church. This is for you. That is the amazing part of the gospel. and I would encourage you this morning, if you don't believe what we just talked about, if you, don't believe that you, if you don't believe the work of Jesus Christ sets you free from your sin, I would ask that you just remain seated as people come forward for this. But I would ask that you read the book of Mark. Ask the people around you. They come forward for this. Ask them, why do you believe that? This is a table that nourishes us, that gives us something that we do not have on our own. The great promise of the Bible and redemption in Jesus is that He is always with us. He is Emmanuel. He is the one who is our refuge, who is our sustainer, who is our provider. So we can receive His blessing of being sent out knowing He goes before us and with us. So please hear at the end of Matthew. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end Of the age. Amen.